0: Welcome back to The Daily Poem, a podcast from Goldberry Studios. I'm Sean Johnson. And today is Wednesday, July 5th, 2023. Today's poem is by Walt Whitman. And it's called Election Day, November 1884. It has been said that there is American poetry, and there is poetry by Americans, and that those are two different things. And if that's true, it's thanks in part to Walt Whitman. For better or for ill, Whitman was one of the poetic figures that really helped to develop a distinctive style and voice in American poetry, thus creating a poetry of America and not just poetry written in the same style and form as European poetry, but by American authors. And when he wasn't writing about himself, one of Whitman's favorite topics was America. I'll read today's poem one time, offer a few comments, and then read it again. This one goes out to all of you whose patriotic spirit hasn't been worn down or extinguished by late night fireworks or too many hot dogs yesterday. Election Day, November 1884. If I should need to name a oh, Western world, your powerfulest scene and show it would not be you, Niagara nor you, ye limitless prairies, nor your huge rifts of canyons, Colorado, nor you, Yosemite, nor Yellowstone, with all its spasmic geyser loops ascending to the skies, appearing and disappearing, nor Oregon's white cones, nor Huron's belt of mighty lakes, nor Mississippi's stream, this seething hemisphere's humanity as now I'd name, the still small voice vibrating america's choosing day the heart of it not in the chosen the act itself the main the quadriennial choosing the stretch of north and south aroused seaboard and inland texas to maine the prairie states vermont virginia california the final ballot shower from east to west the paradox and conflict the countless snowflakes falling swordless conflict, yet more than all Rome's wars of old or modern Napoleons, the peaceful choice of all, or good or ill humanity welcoming the darker odds, the dross, foams and ferments the wine it serves to purify, while the heart pants, life glows. These stormy gusts and winds waft precious ships, swelled Washington's, Jefferson's. Lincoln's sales so this is clearly a poem written upon a particular historic occasion the presidential election of 1884 and I assume you all know everything there is to know about the presidential election of 1884 and didn't have to do a quick Wikipedia search like I did, but humor me here. The 1884 presidential election was notorious in its time for being nasty. Uh, It was the showdown between Democrat Grover Cleveland, who was the uh, sitting governor of New York and Republican James Blaine of Maine. And it was notable in its time for an uncharacteristic amount of mudslinging of nasty press, uh, name calling, personal slights and accusations, uh, that many thought completely obscured and overshadowed the more substantive issues that ought to be at stake and are in fact at stake in a presidential election. Of course, we can have a good chuckle now, imagining a time in our country's past when a presidential election marked by unpleasant mudslinging and shameful personal allegations was a notable rarity. Uh, but such is life. Whitman, however, has an interesting take on the chaos surrounding and leading up to the presidential election of November 1884. That's not where he begins. However, he begins with a litany of the great natural wonders of the North American continent. And it's a doozy. He starts with Niagara and says, addressing the Western world, if I were to show to you the most powerful scene, or excuse me, powerfulest scene, I guess you have to be a poet before you can get away with powerfulest. It would not be Niagara Falls. It would not be the Colorado River. It would not be Yosemite or the geysers of Yellowstone. And as an Oregonian, this one hurts most perhaps, but it wouldn't be the majestic snow-capped mountains of Oregon, Uh, the Great Lakes, the mighty Mississippi River. No. The most powerful thing you can behold in this continent or in this hemisphere is a human thing. It is America's choosing day, the democratic process itself. So we have this contrast between natural might, natural wonder, and convention. Uh, the artificial. Now, both conventional and artificial are words that we uh, tend to use in a very narrow way. Now, conventional means boring. Or uh, ordinary in often in a negative sense, artificial means fake. But an artifice is something that's made. And a convention is a coming together. People have to agree on a convention. It's not spontaneous, but often that's the beauty of a convention. And so the American presidential election is quadriennial. It's not spontaneous. It comes around once every four years as uh, regular as uh, old Faithful's geyser. As predictable, maybe it's not as regular. I'm sure tourists would not enjoy having to wait around four years to watch uh guys with a but there you have it. And this is this is a very confident poem and a rather optimistic poem because Whitman compares the choosing of the American people. The democratic act of this seething hemisphere's humanity, uh, he doesn't just compare it to, he calls it the still small voice vibrating. This of course is an allusion to scripture in which the still small voice is God's voice and here he's either intimating that uh, in democratic action, men speak with the voice of God. Uh, Vox Populi, Vox Dei, this is not a new idea. Or that in effect, the people are the God. They wield a power after all that is greater than Niagara, greater than Yosemite, greater than Mississippi. It is a Supernatural power. It is greater than the natural powers of this continent or of this world. But for all its power and for all its greatness, it is peaceful. The presidential election in the United States has often been referred to, usually fondly, as the bloodless overthrow every four years of our government. Whitman calls it the swordless conflict that's greater than all the wars of Rome, the peaceful choice of all. But his original audience might say, this has not been a peaceful election. And to them, Whitman has his denouement. Foams and ferments the wine, he asks. It serves to purify. While the heart pants, life glows. So there's been a little upheaval. So there's been a little strain, a little struggle. A nation that's willing to get a little dirty, Whitman suggests, uh, as they campaign for their own future, is a nation that's still alive, still vibrant, still has enough energy to sustain itself while the heart pants, life glows. And this foment, the foaming fermentation, produces a rich wine. And he points to other stormy elections in US history. George Washington's, Thomas Jefferson's, and the election of one of Whitman's own beloved personal heroes, Abraham Lincoln's. All of these men, he says, were elected amid stormy, tempestuous, contentious contests. Uh, But it was that storm that uh, stirred up the wind that filled their sails and brought them into office. Perhaps Whitman even suggests uh, it's this kind of conflict that uh, is going to sift candidates and produce uh, the ones capable of surpassing, overcoming such conflict. Uh, maybe that's too Nietzschean a reading for Walt Whitman, only he could say, I suppose. The remarkable through line, though, that uh, supports structurally his ultimate conclusion that the union is secure, the union is strong while it's fighting, uh, is that this entire poem is one massive run-on sentence. There are sections and clauses that seem to be doing different jobs. There are line breaks and clause breaks that uh, seem fragmentary. It can be a difficult poem to read. But grammatically, it's unified. A single whole. There's chaos within. But the form holds true. We can only wonder what Whitman might say about uh, a United States where every presidential election is like the election of 1884. But Whitman writing at 65 seems optimistic about the future of the democratic project or experiment of the United States. Uh, And 65 is a time when Men tend to lose their optimism. Uh, So perhaps we can take that as uh, an encouragement. Then again, it's Walt Whitman. And you don't have to agree with everything that Walt Whitman believes. Uh, In fact, you might be a little unnerved by the confidence that Walt Whitman places upon the seething hemispheres humanity, we all know how that can go. That's a downer to end on. So (laughs) I'll try and turn things around by reading this very optimistic poem. One more time. Election Day, November 1884. If I should need to name, O oh, Western world, your powerfulest scene and show. It would not be you, Niagara, nor you, ye limitless prairies, nor your huge rifts of canyons, Colorado, nor you, Yosemite, nor Yellowstone, with all its spasmic geyser loops ascending to the skies, appearing and disappearing, nor Oregon's white cones, nor Huron's belt of mighty lakes, nor Mississippi's stream, This seething hemispheres humanity, as now I'd name, the still small voice vibrating, America's choosing day, the heart of it not in the chosen, the act itself the main, the quadriennial choosing, the stretch of north and south aroused, seaboard and inland, Texas to Maine, the prairie states, Vermont, Virginia, California, the final ballot shower from east to west. The paradox and conflict the countless snowflakes falling a swordless conflict yet more than all rome's wars of old or modern napoleons the peaceful choice of all or good or ill humanity welcoming the darker odds the dross foams and ferments the wine it serves to purify while the heart pants life glows these stormy gusts and winds waft precious ships, swelled Washington's, Jefferson's, Lincoln's sails. This has been The Daily Poem. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with another poem for you. To listen to past episodes or to support this show, please visit dailypoempod.substack.com. On behalf of our whole team here at Goldberry Studios, I'm Sean Johnson. Until next time, happy reading.